Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 300. I'm so excited to be marking this 300th episode milestone with a really important discussion on today's podcast. I really feel like uh, this is one of the most important topics we can tackle as we set out to make the most of this new year together, especially following how tumultuous 2020 has been and how tumultuous this year has been so far. I mean, we're still in the midst of a uh, global pandemic and political turmoil feels like our everyday reality now. So I am thrilled for you all to hear from uh, Tammy Tibbetts, the co-author of Impact, a step-by-step plan to create the world you want to live in. She wrote the book with her co-founder, Kristen Brandt. The two of them run amazing organization called She's the First, which you'll hear more about. And really, this is a book that is for folks who feel almost too overwhelmed and paralyzed by all of the progress that needs to be made in this world, all of the social justice issues or charitable uh, endeavors that are calling your name, but you're just not sure how to make a big difference, how to make a dent, how to make a manageable difference when you've got bills to pay, you've got jobs to land, promotions to navigate. You know, you're here at Bossed Up because you're trying to better yourself, but how do we actually lift as we climb? How do we actually make sure that we're not just perpetuating our own progress in, in, and in doing so even perpetuating uh, bias and um, systemic failures, but how do we actually contribute to the world we want to live in and give back in a meaningful way? Well, good news is Tammy Tibbetts and Kristen Brandt and their fantastic new book have the answers. It shook me. I read it this, uh, this month, like very quickly. I could not put it down. And I have to say part of the reason I loved it so much is because the writing is just as great as the message itself. So without further ado, I want you to meet uh, one of the women behind this incredible book and this incredible global organization, Tammy Tibbetts. Tammy doesn't believe in letting the world define your limits. Although she was voted most shy in her high school yearbook and felt the pressure of perfectionism for way too long, she's become an advocate for blowing up the expectations society places on you and instead fearlessly exploring the potential hidden within. As co-founder and CEO of She's the First, Tammy's used that philosophy to become a multi-million dollar fundraising success and a brilliant connector while staying grounded in her life's mission, unlocking the potential of girls and women. Having launched her career in the competitive media industry as an online teen magazine editor, 
Tammy approaches impact in a manner that is accessible and engaging to wide audiences. She's a first-generation college graduate who now serves on the board of trustees for her alma mater, the College of New Jersey, and she's passionate about access to college as well as student leadership development and youth activism. She's the first, after all, has 200-plus campus chapters. Tammy, I have long admired your career, and I've loved the fact that you've been a member of the Bossed Up community and podcast listenership for a long time now. Welcome to the other side of the podcast as a podcast guest. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So we were just kind of gushing uh, before I hit record over here uh, about how much I'm a fan of this book, first of all, Impact, a step-by-step plan to create the world you want to live in that you co-authored recently with uh, Kristen Brandt, your co-founder of She's the First. So congratulations on publishing this really important book. Thank you. It's so exciting to now see it out in the world and in readers' hands as they make their impact plans. And I love that we also, I should tell everybody, uh, not only are you a listener of the podcast, so we have to make that clear, but we also share an editor in terms of our both of our books, right? We're edited by yep. the fabulous Colleen, who has also been on the Boss Up podcast. Yeah, I listened to that episode before my first meeting with her. So you prepared me to get this book deal. <laughs> Thank you. That's so great, Tammy. I love it. First of all, let's let's take a step back. Before the book, there was She's the First. And take us back to starting She's the First with Kristen. How did you come to launching this global nonprofit? Tell us about that. Well, unexpectedly, that's for sure. Kristen and I launched She's the First 11 years ago when we were in our early 20s. Kristen was still a senior at Syracuse University. I had only recently graduated, and I was working in the magazine industry because that was my dream career path originally. But I was passionate about the issues that girls were facing uh, worldwide. I kind of came to it as a journalism major in school. I had written about it. Um, and just wanted kind of to expose this truth that 130 million girls are out of school around the world. And it felt like in 2009, no one knew about it mm. or they were just starting to learn and they wanted to help. So my idea was to launch a social media campaign called She's the First. And that's really what Kristen and I intended it to be in the beginning was just a resource to mobilize young people to understand the issue and how they could raise some money. We never mm -hmm. dreamed that a decade later, we would be a global organization teaming up with grassroots organizations around the world to serve the most vulnerable girls. Mm. And what I love about your work is like a true organizer, you seem focused on bringing resources to need. And I, I hear in your book that finding your way to doing that without being clouded by our own personal biases, right, is not an easy thing to do. It's been a bit of a journey on that front. Um, but it sounds to me like you really help uh, folks in the U.S. in particular connect their impact where it is needed most and in doing so in a way that actually empowers local communities across the globe. Is that right? Yeah, we believe that everyone has something to offer and it's such a personal journey to figure out what that is. So after a, a decade of being asked by people, how can I help? We thought this is a good time to write the toolkit and guide yeah. people, whether it's they want to support She's the First or any other issue or cause that matters to them. 
Totally. And that's what I love about your book. It's so practical and tactical, which is very bossed up of you. <laughs> uh, anytime there's a subtitle with the word step-by-step plan in it, I'm I'm hooked. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, not only is your book really helpful and interesting and easy to read, but it feels really well-written. So brava uh, to you and Kristen and Colleen. Shout out to Colleen, our editor. Oh, thank you. As I mentioned, I was a journalism major, so that makes me <laughs> feel like that <laughs> those skill sets were good for something. That's good. So talk to me about the first part of this step-by-step plan, which is finding your North Star. I feel like today there are so many issues and there's more visibility about such a variety of social issues, both in our local communities and across the globe. How do you begin to uh, counsel people on finding their own North Star to follow when it comes to making a plan for impact? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so easy to be overwhelmed by all the needs and the issues out there. And that's not a bad thing. It means that you're a kind and caring person um, because, of of course, you should care about lots of things. But you are also a human who has a limited amount of time and money and resources to give. So when you're deciding where to spend those, we talk about finding what your North Star is. This isn't a, a metaphor that is new to you. I'm sure you've heard of a North Star before. But our take on it is kind of... It's where purpose meets vision. So uh, to the subtitle of our book, what is that world that you want to live in? Like if you were to fill in the blank, I want to live in a world where that blank is your North Star and that's what you're working towards. So it's big and it's audacious, but you can use that to kind of create a lane for yourself and a filter so that when you are um, approached with opportunities to give back, you can ask yourself, is this is this lining up to that ultimate outcome I want to see in the world? And we have kind of um, a couple steps that we that are really important that we take you through on how to identify that. So the first step is starting with your own personal life experience and circumstances. So when you reflect back on who shaped you to be who you are today, uh, what forces were at play? For me, you know, gender and education were big parts of my life, um, not only being a woman, but also a first-generation college student kind of changed my worldview and put me on a path towards she's the first. Um, so reflect on in your life, whether it was for, the, for good or even challenges that you had, what makes you a really effective advocate? What can you speak to from direct experience? Right. I think that's interesting. A lot of folks worry about not having some grandiose personal life story. Uh, and I always say, you know, what you care about most is not a coincidence. It doesn't need to be grandiose. It doesn't need to be some, you know, poetic tr- story of overcoming and triumphing over challenge. It can be a smaller experience that you had, but to trace back the steps that you've walked in your life. I think can really help align you with which causes you want to devote your life to. So to give us an example of a North Star, can you remind us what is the North Star for She's the First? Like, How do you articulate that vision? Mm -hmm. For She's the First, our North Star is a world where every girl can choose her own future. So Mm -hmm. that means that she's experiencing her rights, including her, her right to an education that gives her that freedom. 
Um, mm-hmm. My personal North Star is not um, too different from that. I think we all find the words that make you light up when you talk about it. So for mm-hmm. me, um, you know, I'm driven towards a world where girls and women have the resources and opportunities to pursue their dreams. Mm. I love that. I think that's such a beautiful and clear articulation. I still struggle on that front, but your book and the workbook that comes with it in the back pages here has been really helpful and sort of challenging uh, me and the whole Bossed Up team to start thinking about bigger picture impact. Once you get past survival mode, which I think 2020 mm-hmm. tested us on, you can start really thinking, okay, what's the bigger why behind what you do? Um and I'm sure many would argue you can focus on that at any time. But that's, I don't know, it feels like in 2021, we have this new opportunity to not take anything for granted and to say to ourselves, okay, how do we actually want to show up in this world? What's the point? What is my North Star and how do I begin pursuing it? Um, one of the best elements I love about your book in the beginning is that you talk realistically about making that pursuit sustainable. Can you talk to me about kind of taking inventory of your own um, impact budget, so to speak, or like how you think about giving or how our listeners can think about giving to causes we care about in a sustainable way? Yeah. Well, it starts with first kind of doing an inventory of everything you have to offer. And most of the time, people can offer more than they even realize because Mm -hmm. it's not just how much money you have or how much time you have, although you should get quite specific about both of those things. You know, if with your giving budget, how much could you give monthly? And with time, if you're going to volunteer, when is that? Is it on weekends? Is it mornings? And really quantify that. Um, But additionally, what contacts and connections do you have that could be valuable? Do you have space or a car? Um, What specific skill sets might you be able to offer pro bono? Mm -hmm. And just list all of that out and not passing any judgment, just get it out on paper. And then once it's out there, you can look at that list and decide at this point in time, what do I actually want to give? Because maybe you're really awesome at spreadsheets, but you do that all day and Mm. in your free time, that's not what you're excited about giving. So then you can focus in on what you are excited to give. And here's the thing I think you'll find very relatable, Emily, is that with Nonprofits, people come with the best of intentions to help, but then they don't actually pitch themselves in the way that they do when they're applying for a job. And it has always mystified me. It's like, you have this skill. You do this when you're applying for a paid job. Mm -hmm. Why not do it when you're looking for volunteer work? Yeah. Talk to me about that. That was going to be my next question. How do you approach a cause that you care about for a volunteer opportunity? Because- In some instances, I think I've actually said this in the past, defer to them in terms of what they need. But I love your advice on how to be more proactive and say, well, here's a pitch for exactly what I have to offer. Is this helpful to you? Like, how do we make this happen? So what does that process look like? Because you're right. I think think America is a very charitable population. You know, we have time, money, and skills that we do want to share with the world in an impactful way. But how do you approach it in a way that is mutually beneficial and respectful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, for starters, like the the desire to give is very generous and that you know should be recognized as such. But then it's really important that you're not putting 
the burden of figuring out how you fit in mm. onto the under-resourced organization and change maker. And when you can tell them how much time you have, exactly what you can offer, it enables them, that leader or organizer, to quickly see, okay, is there a fit here? And if there is, they can put you to work quickly and efficiently, scope out your project, and that's going to be ultimately more fulfilling for you. Mm -hmm. And then if there's not a fit, they'll tell you right away so that you can go and you know knock on the next door and you don't get stuck on an assignment that you know you ultimately uh, have to back out of or aren't excited by. So it it is a win-win on both sides. Mm-hmm. And that mutuality is so important, making sure it's m- not more of a win for you <laughs> than the organization that you're trying to help, right? That's exactly. You want to make sure that you are filling a need and letting that change maker, the change making organization kind of tell you what what is most needed. I'm so glad you mentioned that because another really interesting part of your book talks about how oftentimes we as charitable volunteers or mission-driven people make a lot of assumptions about what we think is needed, and those assumptions can go awry very quickly. How do we focus on intent versus impact? How do we how do we make sure we're actually having the desired net positive impact we want to have, and we're not confusing that for intent. Can you explain the difference, first of all, between intent and impact and how that shows up in your work? Yeah. Well, I I think what hopefully will be reassuring for people to hear is that you don't need to have all the answers. And you know, sometimes the value that you bring to the situation is sitting there and letting others speak. Um, intent is when you know you you want to have a positive outcome, but the impact is what you actually do, and that mm. can be positive or negative. And sometimes you won't always know when it is negative um, because in the relationship, um, if you're bringing resources, especially money, to the table uh, in the power dynamic, you kind of are coming into it with more power and privilege. So you have to work even harder to make sure that um, those who are in need are actually having their voices heard Mm. um, and that you're not kind of steamrolling over it. Because many times, um, I can speak as as a nonprofit leader, especially in my earlier days of of the younger days of the nonprofit, I I didn't want to tell a donor the truth because I really needed their donation. Mm. Um, So we need to be more mindful of, one, like being great listeners, but also asking, um, you know, am, am I being, am I supporting you in the most effective way? Kind of proactively asking for feedback as we're deepening our relationships with these organizations or movements. Totally. I think this one story that you shared, there's a couple amazing stories you shared in your book, but one that really stands out to me is when there was a really innovative, um, nonprofit leader who had created a coat for homeless folks, people facing Mm -hmm. homelessness, who um, the coat actually doubled as a sleeping bag. And she really grew her nonprofit. She galvanized a lot of support. She made a ton of great coats and was gifting them or, or donating them to shelters. And at a shelter once, this woman who she was talking to who was facing homelessness got so enraged by her offer of a coat. She said, I don't need a coat. I need a job. Mm -hmm. And 
as a nonprofit or just giving person, that could have been a moment where she said, screw this, I'm not being appreciated, I'm out of here. But instead, she really leaned into the extreme discomfort of that kind of feedback and said, she's right. You know, who am I to say what this woman facing homelessness needs? Instead, let me reevaluate how my business model can create employment opportunities, which is what she did. And I thought that was such a brilliant, like, example of how sometimes our best intentions do not actually deliver what is most needed. And you can either choose to ignorantly proceed with what you think is best or actually take that feedback to heart, which cannot be easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like when you invite that feedback in and allow yourself to be corrected, when you come to it with a growth mindset, you're able to improve and not mm. uh, take it personally and then either persist doing the wrong thing or just give up. And in order to make this a, a really creating change in the long haul, we none of us are perfect. We are going to make mistakes. And mm-hmm. when we do that, the best thing, the best step forward is to learn from that and then evolve and improve. Yeah. I think today in America, especially as we are all navigating with hopefully more collective consciousness around, uh, racial justice in particular in our histories, uh, our, our nation's history of white supremacy and present <laughs> one might argue, mm-hmm. um, that especially folks who are relatively new to activism and giving back and having an impact plan can brace themselves and ourselves collectively for getting it wrong, right? And for not necessarily, for our assumptions not coming to fruition all the time and to proceed anyway, right? You You talk in your book about cultivating resilience in that process. What does that look like? Oh, well, I think we all learned a lot more about resilience than we ever thought we would in the last year. Mm. Um, you know, there's, I think every person has their own approach to it. Um, it's kind of setting those boundaries so that you can take care of your own wellness so that you show up to do the hard work, um, not being burnt out and remaining really focused on what drives you. I know what makes me a more resilient leader is how connected I feel to the impact I'm making and the faces I put on that impact, girls right. that I've met over the years. Because when I'm having a hard day, I the reason I don't just give up, I might take uh, you know the afternoon off to go on a walk and recharge, but I don't give up because I'm thinking of Ellie and Maheshwari and these young women who I know are in their own communities fighting the same battle, like the same North Star. Mm. Um, so I become more resilient when I remind myself I am not in this alone. Like this work is, it is meant to be hard and it's something that is not all on my shoulders, but I do have a, my own piece to play. And the best way I can show up for that is to make sure that I've got a focus. I'm not overextending myself. I can deliver on that. And what do I need to do in my personal life, um, whether it's out going to get the fresh air, um, or getting sleep so that I, I'm able to show up, um, mm. with that focus and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that 
speaks 100% to the sustainability piece, right? We can't care 110% about every issue all the time. So pick your North Star, right? Like focus on the impact you want to make. Take inventory of what resources you have to give financially or otherwise. And then, you know, take care of yourself so you can keep giving and not completely burn out. Don't I know that? (laughs) Story. Yeah, and writing it down is so important. I mean, that's the the whole point. The book leads you to write down on a mm. one page impact plan. Um, but then I I have my impact plan, and then I integrate that into. And this is going to sound like a total commercial, but the life tracker planner because I am a <laughs> user of it. And in my like monthly goals, like I am weaving in not only yeah. the the impact activities I'm doing, but what those fitness and the wellness goals are that make me a more resilient person. I love that. First of all, thank you for mentioning that. And and I'm so glad to hear it's integrating well because I totally agree with the power of writing things down. I would challenge us all, especially those who are Life Tracker Planner users like us, um, to make that other quadrant focus on impact this year. So work goals, right? Not everyone has the chance to work on something that lights up our our passion and, and purpose centers all day, every day, um, which is such a privilege. But you know, work goals, wellness goals, love and relationship goals. And how about impact goals? Like maybe that first goal is writing your own impact plan with the help of your new book, Tammy. I think that would be great. (laughs) Yeah. I love that idea. So the final big piece I want to talk about that shook me to my core was this four quadrant chart that you shared in the middle parts of your book um, you're in Kristen's book that just blew my mind. And the two axes are about positive or negative impact overall. And the horizontal axis is about short-term versus long-term. You talk through band-aid solutions, which I have primarily to date actually found myself doing. Uh, and that sort of felt very interesting to learn more about versus systemic solutions or system solutions on the positive side, Mm -hmm. and then misguided moves and system failures on the negative side. Walk us through that. Um, I know it's pretty complicated. I highly recommend folks check out the visual uh, in your book, but walk us through this this paradigm and how you think about making an impact plan that's going to be more positive than net negative. Yeah. So what this matrix gets you thinking about is what you kind of your individual actions and the consequences, and then what you're what you're capable of doing by yourself, and then what you do as part of um, a movement and as as part of systems change. So for the band aid example, you know, there's nothing wrong with band aids. It might feel like what it pointless sometimes mm-hmm. like okay i'm giving this this one per- homeless person a snack or um you know i'm i'm going to use a um a reusable water bottle but everybody else is creating litter so it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. well you know i think it does matter because even if you you don't see you know a huge impact resulting from that you at least know you are living authentically aligned with your own values and in many situations especially during the pandemic um, if you're bringing meals, say, to an elderly um, neighbor or someone who's lost their job, like you are alleviating suffering in the moment, and that is always an important and needed thing. So do that while you can. Those are generally mm-hmm. like your, your easy effort actions that become part of your lifestyle. 
Right. The systems it's, change. And it's, it sometimes draws criticism for being shallow, short-term, superficial, click clicktivism. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's still... I like how in your book you're like, if you find yourself almost exclusively doing that, I was like, oh, shit, that's me. You're like, it's okay. Like, there's still a place for that. Um, But then you really challenge us to think bigger, too. Exactly. And that's where the systems solutions comes in. Um, That's when you're thinking about how do I contribute to getting at the root of this problem? Mm. And no one person can fix that themselves. That's when you recognize, okay, I need to step in and join a political campaign or a nonprofit organization or mutual aid group. And then how am I going to be part of working with communities um, and bigger groups of people, whether that's local or national or or global, um, so that I can be investing those resources that I have into... um, new systems, new, new ways of, um, approaching the problems or breaking Mm. the cycle of poverty through education, for instance. Um, that's, Mm -hmm. it's really important when you're creating your plan to see, okay, am I doing, even if it's small things, am I, maybe am I donating not just towards, um, relief efforts, but to a nonprofit that is really, um, investing in education or in policy reform. I'm so glad you said the word policy because I think some of us think that we can be like activists without getting our hands dirty in the world of politics. And I am so reminded as someone who burnt out of politics as a professional political organizer, I am like, okay, we can't solve it completely on our own. Even Bossed Up is focused on circumventing our messed up politics uh, and policies around workers' rights, right? So in the void of having protections, here's how to advocate for yourself, right? This is a total Band-Aid solution, um, the work I've been pursuing for the past 10-ish years. And so you've reminded me that, like, we got to get back involved in politics, y'all, if we aren't already. You can't just donate to relief efforts. You got to elect the people who care about preventing such catastrophes from happening, right? I, I just want to make the case for adding politics, like straight up electoral politics to everybody's impact plan if it's not there already. Because donating yeah. to causes feels fluffy and good and not messy, but, you know, policies are messy, and yet they're the more systemic solutions. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll be the first to say the nonprofit sector has its limitations, and it's been a real – like, that's my growth area is um, becoming more involved in making sure I have political actions as part Mm. of my plan. So we all have room to grow, and even myself, you know, being (laughs) a seasoned nonprofit leader, I'm still a student in other aspects of change-making. I think we all are and will be throughout our lives. So our hope is that this book, you know, I don't consider it a beginner's guide at all. I think it's it's a toolkit that anytime you're breaking new ground in impact, you want to think about and brush up on. I love it. I just want to say thank you for that, because I needed that kick-in-the-pants kind of reminder myself. So talk to me about misguided moves. You've got a couple powerful examples in your book of misguided moves. Yeah. So misguided moves are when maybe you think you're doing a Band-Aid solution that's going to have a positive impact, and then it doesn't. So you might be aware that it ends up 
going the wrong way, uh, or you might not, because as I mentioned earlier, um, the nonprofit doesn't tell you. So we we have a couple stories. This happens I think, a lot in international travel when people go into lower income countries. And um, there's a story in the book about um, donors visiting a Guatemalan girl in her home and putting a hundred dollar bill in a backpack they saw on the floor, thinking she'd find it later and it would help her out um, because they weren't they were coached to not give uh, money to the family. It just wasn't part of the organization's culture to do so because it would favor girls who hosted visitors. But anyways, um, the girl, she didn't actually use that backpack regularly. And her mom was the next person to to use it. And when her mom saw the $100 bill in that backpack, she immediately thought that her daughter was a prostitute. And because how else would a girl in her situation get that kind of money? And because these are girls who, whose parents are uneducated, like they, um, if they, she had in her mind that her daughter had done this terrible thing and um, didn't really want to hear any other reasons of what it could be. So that severed the relationship she had with her daughter. And then our local partner spent months trying to, um, you know, counsel and rehabilitate and help the mother see that what had actually happened. Um, and by that point, the donors who they had no idea, this, yeah, they were out of the picture. So it just is like you think you're doing something good, and then you're out of the world. Like you're out of that situation. You don't know the ramification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, it's just something to be aware of and making sure in how you do approach change. As we said before, like are you are you really listening? If if these donors had listened mm. to the nonprofit that said don't give money to the families then the, the problem would have been averted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a good example of the best of intentions doesn't always equal the best of impact. And your intentions don't matter when they have a bad impact like that. Like, it's just not, that's not, who cares? You know, we're not sharing this to make those donors feel guilty. We're sharing it as a cautionary tale to make sure we're all listening before we assume what is needed from us, Right. Yeah, especially when when we're stepping outside of our own country and culture, um, you just you you have blind spots. You have you don't always know what the full repercussions will be. So so being sensitive to that. Mm, yeah, and that that you speak about that bias in the book too about you know that bias stems from colonialism. It stems mm-hmm. from white supremacy, from this idea that we know best or that I know best, and if I have more privileged than you, and I'm here to help you, I must know what you need. And that is so embedded in our psyche, in our culture, that we have to combat it uh, consciously and actively, or it will guide us into all making misguided moves. Yeah. And I, I think the work that you know, many people started to do in earnest last year with anti-racism and anti-oppression, like it all folds into this. And that's Mm. how, you know, you avoid going down the systemic failures path. Um, You need to recognize that these systems, you know, back to the colonial days, they're broken. Mm. Um, And, you know, we, we ultimately, in order to truly achieve our North stars, we need to rebuild those systems. Mm. We don't want to be a part of perpetuating them and, you know, often we're stuck in these in the systems that are just designed to to fail and to not be fair and equal. 
Totally. Well said. So where can our listeners learn more about you and Kristen and your organization, She's the First, and your fantastic book, Impact? Yeah, you can go to planyourimpact.com to learn about the book. You can follow Kristen and me on Instagram, and you can see our work in action at she's the first.org. I love it. Tammy, thanks so much for joining me uh, as a guest of the pod, as a friend of the pod, and as someone who I've long admired. I think the impactful career you're creating is such an inspiration to me and so many others. So thank you for being here. Uh, right back at you. Thanks, Emily. To learn more about everything Tammy and I discussed today, head to bossedup.org slash episode 300. That's where you'll find lots of links and resources related to what we discussed on today's podcast. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today's Boss Move comes in from Corey in the Bossed Up Courage community who shared this. Our assistant director and I have been dedicating a lot of intentional effort towards addressing toxicity and culture issues in our team. Yesterday, we used the strong foundation we built and tons of what we learned in the recent How to Handle Conflict at Work podcast episode with Kwame Christian, and it went so well. We have a long road ahead, and I'm feeling so confident that we can do it and that it'll be so, so worth it. So shout out to Brandy for leaning into these uncomfortable conversations with me. And as Kwame stated so succinctly, quote, the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. Yes, Corey, I'm cheering you and Brandy on. Congratulations uh, for stepping up and putting these lessons to practice in real time. And in case you missed it, make sure to check out or revisit my conversation with Kwame Christian on episode 286 of the podcast, How to Handle Conflict at Work. It really was such a... uh, It really was such a jam-packed conversation. Kwame had so many great lessons to share and so much brilliance that he shared on the show. Uh, I cannot wait for those who haven't caught it already to take a listen and put it to use in their own lives, just like you did, Corey. Congratulations again. Way to go, boss. And thank you for sharing your boss move to really inspire others. You never know who is watching your come up and is going to be a bolder, more bossed up leader because of you sharing your own come up story. So way to go. And if you're not already a member of the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, make sure to join us, request to join us at the link in today's show notes. It really is such a great place. It's been called the best place on Facebook and it's where we share lots of uh, news and happenings and where so many women from across the world support one another and lift as we climb as the Original motto goes from the nation's first black women's organization way back in 1896. All right, boss, now I want to hear from you. What did you think about today's conversation? How are you going to implement some of what Tammy shared? How can you begin to organize your impact plan so that you're not just contributing to Band-Aid solutions, although there's a time and a place for those? How are you contributing to more systemic solutions. I will be the first to candidly share that the Bossed Up team and I are actively engaged in revisiting our plans on that front, including the uh, active anti-racism and equity plans that we began putting in place last year. We're really not only reevaluating them right now and assessing what's working and what's not, but thinking how can we as a community and as an organization do more than just solve issues with band-aids like how can we all 
activate together to advocate for systems solutions, not only when it comes to anti-racism efforts, but also when it comes to women in the workplace initiatives. It's one thing to you know, advocate for yourself by asking for more, but it's another thing to advocate for pay equality at a federal level. So I'm really excited about this new uh, spark that we are, I don't know, I think we're listening to. And Tammy's book and Tammy and Kristen's book had a big impact on me. So if you haven't already, if you're looking for a good read, start here, Impact, a step-by-step plan to create the world you want to live in. And hopefully, you know, over the course of the next 100 episodes <laughs> or the next 300 episodes, together you'll start to see, we'll start to see an evolution of Bossed Up in the direction of systems change, not just individual advocacy. So I invite your feedback in that process and stay tuned. Who knows Who knows what the future holds? I'm just excited to be walking this walk and on this journey with each and every one of you. Thank you, as always, uh, for listening, for sharing, for rating and reviewing the podcast in Apple Podcasts. I can't tell you what a big difference that makes to me. So drop me five stars there if you haven't had a chance to do so yet. Share this podcast far and wide with the women and folks of any gender in your world who you think should hear it. And until next time, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.